If you have your Bibles, can you turn to Judges and chapter 6? Judges and chapter 6. We're in a little series called Anointing, and we're talking about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person who wants to help us, who wants to talk with us, um, he wants uh, us to talk to him. And uh, in terms of the anointing, what does the anointing mean? It basically means that God has got a purpose for your life and that he wants to give you the person of the Holy Spirit to help you with that purpose. Um, if you don't feel you have a purpose in life, I want to assure you this morning that God loves you, he made you, he created you for a purpose, and he has definitely, definitely, definitely got a plan for your life. He didn't sort of make you and then think, oh my goodness, what am I going to do with this person? No, before he made you, he had a plan. If you don't know what that plan is, you don't need to ask God to create a plan for you. All you need to do is ask him to unveil the plan. It would be like having something at the front of church here um, and uh, we've covered it with a blanket, and everybody's wondering, you know, what's underneath the blanket? Uh, maybe that's where you're at in terms of God's purpose for your life, that you know something is there, um, but you need the Holy Spirit to reveal it and to unveil it to you. Well, we want to pray with you this morning that God will begin to unveil his plan. But knowing God's plan is really only one of the things. Uh, we then need power and help and equipping to carry out the purposes and plans that God has for us. Now, this morning, uh, last week, we were talking about David and how David had a kingly anointing upon him. I want to encourage you this morning that you have a kingly anointing upon you because Jesus Christ, by the power of his spirit, he lives within you and he is the king of kings. So that means I have a kingly anointing. That should encourage you right there. Good night. Go home. Let's relieve the babysitter. Okay. That's good. So be encouraged that you have authority upon your life if you have the presence of Jesus within you. And we're going to look this morning at a man called Gideon. And uh, Gideon and the, and the Israelites were not having um, a, a good day. They were not having a good season. And we read this in Judges chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, um, flip open the page, turn it on, uh, get the Wi-Fi, do whatever you need to crank open your Bible. It says in Judges 6, um, verse 6, no, sorry, this is verse 1. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. They were, they were hiding, they were afraid. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Sounds pretty desperate, doesn't it? 
And in verse 11, it says this. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Many years ago, we started uh, what we now know as small groups. Um, And uh, when we started small groups, we had uh, this little tradition called highs and lows. How many many people in a small group here, when they do their their small group, they do highs and lows? Um, Now, Nathan Senior's putting up his hand, but you see, Nathan Senior, he took it upon himself. Apparently, highs and lows wasn't good enough for Nathan Senior. So Nathan Senior decided to step outside the bounds of the authority of the leadership team. And for his small group, not to call it highs and lows, but if, if you're in his small group, you do what's cracking... And what's lacking, okay? Can I just say that he has no authority to do that whatsoever? Um, is it, does any other small groups call it different things? You know, what's, what's jumping and what's a lumping? You know, I, I don't know. I, you know. Well, you know, if Gideon was doing his small group uh, with some of his mates, there would definitely be a few lows that were being shared. This was not a good moment. This was not a good day. This was not a happy season for the Israelites. The Midianites had come in and they had ravaged the land. It wasn't a good day. I don't know if you have had a day this week where it just, you know, it wasn't a good day. Uh, what's the definition of a bad day? Um, a bad day is when your twin sister forgets your birthday. Okay, that's a bad day. Um, just think about it. Think about it. Okay, there it goes. Okay. Um, a bad day is when you wake up in the morning and you hear the gentle sound of running water. And then you realize, I just bought a water bed. That's not good. Okay. So, um, yeah, okay. I won't use those jokes ever again. They, they just didn't, didn't, didn't work. Okay. Um, well, you know, these guys are not having um, a good day. And here is Gideon, and he is in a he's in a pit. He's in a wine press. Now think about this. When you when you make wine, what do you need? You need one of those, don't you? You need a pit. You need a depression. Because you're gonna have these these grapes and and stuff in the bottom of the pit, and you're gonna start to, to trample on the pit. And you need something that is going to gather the juice, okay, for for your juice making, for your wine pressing. But here, Gideon is not making wine, he is threshing wheat. Now, when you thresh wheat, you don't need a pit, you don't need a depression, you need a mound, okay? Because when you start to... um, trample and and beat the crop, what you need is you need the wind to come and you need it to blow away the rubbish, otherwise known as the chaff. 
So here is Gideon, and he is working very hard. He is striving. He is threshing around, threshing around in the pit, in the depression, and not much is happening because he is a man living under fear. And I wonder if there's anybody who has moments a little bit like me, where you feel you are thrashing around, you are working hard, you are doing stuff, and there's like a prayer that goes on in your heart, God, is this it? God, I feel like I'm doing stuff. I feel like I'm working here. But it's not happening. If we, um, if we could show a little picture of Gideon at work, we've got some pictures here. It would look a little bit like this. You kind of wonder, there's got to be a smarter way of, of, of doing this. Or maybe like this. Or this. Or this. Or this. You've, you've heard the phrase, haven't you? We need to work smarter and not harder. If we were living a few thousand years ago and uh, we were preaching, we would now flush, flash up a little picture of Gideon trying to thresh wheat in a wine press. We would look at the picture and we would laugh. Look at that dude over there. What a loser. He is such a loser. Doesn't he realize he needs one of those? He doesn't need one of those. That is not going to work. And to me, this represents a man who is, who is doing lots of things. But the question is, is he doing it effectively? I wonder, as the church of Jesus Christ, are we busy doing Lots of things, we have lots of programs, we have lots of ideas, lots of stuff that we're getting on with, but there's a sense of, wow, God, lots of activity, but is your Holy Spirit moving? Is your Holy Spirit working? Because do you know what? The Holy Spirit can do in a moment what it would take us a lifetime to do. So here is a man, he's afraid. He's worried, he's concerned. We can't knock Gideon too much because at least he is doing something. Where is everybody else? Are they hiding in their homes? Are they so afraid that they just lock themselves in their houses? At least this man has a heart to provide for his family and for his loved ones. He's doing something. He's afraid. And he's here in a pit. And it's a bit pitiful. It takes me a long time to come up with this stuff. Now, in verse 11, it tells us that the angel of the Lord came. And this is where everything begins to change. I mean, it doesn't really matter how bad things are. Everything changes when the angel of the Lord comes. Now, we're not sure, but this could possibly be a foretaste of Jesus coming. 
When you look through the Old Testament, there are moments where God turns up in a very powerful way. And actually, he he appears in a physical form. So some people would say that this actually is Jesus in the Old Testament. You you do realize, guys, that when Jesus was born, that wasn't the beginning moment of Jesus. That Jesus has always been. He created the world. Before the world existed, he was there. In John 1, it tells us that the Word was God and the Word was with God. That's Jesus, and the Word became flesh. When we sing, O come, let us adore him, there's a line that says, Very God, what's the next bit? (coughs) Begotten, not created. O come, let... My wife's told me not to sing in church, so let's just cut that out right now. Um, Okay. You see, Jesus, Jesus wasn't created, begotten, not created. It's interesting, when you look at that word begotten, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, his only begotten son. That word begotten means this in the Greek, mono, something like that. Okay, mono. Genesis. Look at that word. What's it saying to us? What's the word mono mean? It means one. Okay? Genes, a type. Um, Your genes are what makes you you. That word begotten means that there is only one. One and only. And that is Jesus. Chesney Hawks got it all wrong. I mean, there he is. Singing, you are my... I'm doing too much singing again. You are my one and only. He's all wrong. Chesney, no. There is only one one and only, and his name is Jesus. And he is turning up here in Gideon's mess. You see, that's where God loves to turn up. He loves to turn up in your mess. If you are polished and perfect, if you are a Pinterest person this morning, well, bless you. Why are you at church? You know, you don't need any help. But God loves to show up with the broken and the busted and the bruised. He loves to turn up in your most messy situations to say, here I am. It's okay now because the angel of the Lord has come. I'm here. And everything is going to change. Now you may think, well actually Gareth, I'm doing okay at the moment. And that's good, because it's good to be doing well. I'm not knocking that at all. But here's the point. With this man, in this account, what's the problem just with Gideon? You see, Gideon was living under a whole nation that was being ravaged by the enemy. This wasn't just about Gideon's mess, but it was about the mess of a whole country. And God was turning up and he was saying, Gideon, if I can just get hold of your life, all it takes for me to change a nation is one person. One person who is saying, here I am, Lord. I'm surrendered. I'm available. You know, the anointing of the Holy Spirit 
doesn't just want to come upon you so that you can be doing okay. He wants to come upon you so that this city and this world and this nation can be transformed. You may have problems at work right now. You may have problems in your family right now. You certainly live down a road where there are some people with some issues. And I want to challenge you this morning that you need to be crying out to God, saying, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit, anoint me with your Holy Spirit, not just so that my needs are met, but so that my whole community is changed. That's the anointing that came upon Gideon. An anointing that changed a whole nation. That's what God can do. God loves to turn up in messy situations and to take people who are available. I love, I love Gideon's honesty. In verse 13, so here's the angel of the Lord, and he said to Gideon, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. This is Gideon's response. Pardon me, Lord. Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors, our ancestors told us about when they said, do not the Lord bring us out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and given us to the hand of Midian? The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon is just totally honest about who he is how he feels about himself. He's been really honest about his mess. Can I tell you that God just values honesty? If you have a messy life, if you live in a messy community, if work is messy right now, then just be honest with God about your mess. He loves honesty. I heard a story of a, a man who went to um, hear a, a faith healer, you know, a Christian faith healer, and um, he went to... He went to the, the man at the end of the service and he had a, he had a, 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 a kind of a, a hump on his back. And this is in America. And he said, he said, sir, I have a protuberance on my back. That's an American accent, okay, just in case you're wondering. The, the preacher said, no, in the name of Jesus, you are healed. The man who was sick said, no, sir, I, I, I have a protuberance on my back. And the preacher said, no, by his stripes ye are healed. And they were doing this for like five minutes going back and forth. Who was right? Well, really, they were both right. You see, you can be honest with God about your problems. You can come to God and you can say, God, here it is. This is me. This is my mess. 
But the wonderful thing is, is that you're honest with God. He begins to speak to you about a higher truth. That may be the facts that you are sick. But there is a higher truth that God is your healing. It may be the fact that you are confused right now about what to do at work. But the truth is, is that God is the speaker of truth. And he will bring clarity to your situation. It may be a fact that you are totally broken about a relationship. That may be the fact. The truth, the higher truth, is that God mends broken hearts. All God wants is our honesty. And Gideon is so honest about how he's feeling about himself. Not really sort of the type A personality that you think God would be looking for. Here's Gideon. The least in his family. The family, the least of the tribe, the clan. And that is God's choice. I love, in verse 11, that the angel of the Lord comes, and what does he do? He sits. The angel of the Lord, either God's messenger or or God himself, in a physical form, he arrives at the situation where there is lots of activity, there's lots of striving, there's lots of thrashing around. He arrives in the place where there is tremendous fear, where his people are under oppression, and what does God decide to do? He decides to sit. Because that's what you do when your world's falling apart. You just... I, th- I was thinking about this. Why did God sit in this mess? I think the first thing, first reason why God sat is because God felt very comfortable. I mean, what do you do at the end of a hard day's work? You go home, you want some comfort, you find your favorite chair and you sit down because you want to be comfortable. And I think God felt very comfortable. He looked at the things that were... Sorry, I'm mucking up the camera. He looked at the things that were causing fear in the Israelite camp. And here's the thing. When God shows up, the things that you are afraid of now become afraid of the Lord. You're not very excited about that, okay? This is good stuff I'm preaching this morning. You know, are you awake out there? Yeah? You, you might be intimidated right now by some stuff. There may be some things going on in your life, and you think, my goodness, I, I feel so intimidated. You feel like you're thrashing around in the wrong place. You should be on, a, on, a, on a, you know, a, one of these, and you're in the mound, you're in the pit, and you're thrashing away. When God turns up, the things that are intimidating you, they are themselves intimidated by the presence of Jesus. You have nothing to be afraid of. You have nothing to worry about when God turns up. And just to demonstrate that, he just sits. Because he's he's at peace. He's got everything under control. He is sovereign. I think he sits. It's a little picture here of authority. What do kings do? They sit on a throne, and from that throne, they exercise 
authority. And as I've already said, you have authority upon your life. You have an anointing for authority if the spirit of Jesus Christ is within you. You may be working for a multi-million pound corporation. And you may be the cleaner in that place. And one day you meet with the CEO. I want to challenge you that in that conversation, you have the authority of Jesus Christ. That you could speak into that person's life and you could bring something of the kingdom of God from heaven to earth. Can I, can I just have a, a moment where I share my heart right now? I, I, am, I am done. I am done. We're seeing Christians on Facebook moan about their problems and their situations and the world that they are living in. I want to tell you this morning that you have a kingly anointing upon you. I want to tell you, don't moan about the world, change the world. That's what the Holy Spirit is here for. You know, we're so, sometimes we're so negative about the things around us. And it's not that we turn a blind eye to those things, but is that really what we need to do? To go to Facebook and have a moan, have a complain? I don't think so. I don't think that's what the anointing is for. That we are world changers. We are world changers when we have the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon us. So I'm on a crusade right now. Watch out, King's Church. I don't really go on Facebook much, but if I am seeing people that I know, people that I love, having a bit of a moan, a bit of a dig, oh, you're going to have words from me, okay? Yeah? I'm going to have a chat with you, and I'm going to say, do you know what? Let's pray about this, because the Holy Spirit wants to come upon you, and he wants to change your world, and he wants to change the world of people around you. Oh, my goodness, that was a bit heavy. Anyway, so... Here's my last thing. Here is Mr. Gideon. And um, as I said, it takes me a long time to come up with this stuff. If there's one word that we can use for Gideon, it's the word... Is that, can you see that? No, okay. It's the, I need a thicker marker, don't I? The word strive. Strive. You know what the word means here? He's beating away on, the, on the, the, the crop and he's trying to do his work. He's striving away. Now, if we take the R, the E, and the V out of the word strive, we can make a new word called rev. Now, what, what's a rev? Well, I've got a little thing in my car and a rev is basically telling me how hard... The engine is working, yeah? You could be going 3,000 rev. Um, if your wife is sitting next to you, you go to 2,000 rev. You just cut that down a little bit, you know? Um, here, here is the rev. It talks about revolution. It talks about this thing of activity, of work, of striving. If we take all of that out, we can be left with the thing of just sitting. Everybody go, oh, no, don't. It really wasn't that good. Um, see, see, there's a sense of, you know, where, where, you're, where you're working so hard at the moment, where you're striving so hard, the Holy Spirit just wants to come 
And he wants you to let go. He wants you to let God. And it's almost like that you can be at rest. Because now God is working. Oh, that was the thing I forgot to say. He came and he sat because God had already worked. I find it interesting that the angel of the Lord, he sat under a tree. Now, there's another tree in the Bible. Sometimes the cross of Jesus Christ is referred to as the tree of Calvary. So here is a massive picture that the angel of the Lord is sitting under the work that Jesus had already achieved on the cross. Did you know that every single battle that you're going to face, every problem that occurs in your life, every battle has already been won by Jesus on the cross? Oh my goodness. Okay, wake up people, come on. He's already done it all. Why are we fighting when Jesus has already won? It's craziness. It's madness. You see, here with Gideon, this is where I'm going to land the plane. Here with Gideon, the battle was not on the war front. The battle was in the wine press. The battle was not on the war front with the Midianites. We go, go home and read the story of Gideon and how he won an amazing battle. Just, just brilliant, okay? But that wasn't where the battle was because that battle was already won. The battle was not there. It was the battle that the angel of the Lord had with Gideon in the wine press. It was a battle for Gideon to understand, to get it here through his thick skull, like our thick skull. Mate, you're working hard. Not much is happening. But you know what? When God looks at you, he sees a mighty person of valor. He sees incredible potential. He sees a whole nation changing just by looking at you, Gideon. And I want to tell you this morning, King's Church, I'm looking at people and I know you know, some of the challenges that some of you, you are facing because you talk to me occasionally and you share with me. And I want to say to you, as I look out upon this congregation, I, I see people, not just that your life is going to be changed, but whole circumstances are going to be changed. Whole streets are going to be changed. Schools are going to be changed. Classrooms are going to be changed. Families are going to be changed. Because the anointing of the Holy Spirit is here. All we have to do is just realize it. The battle is here. It's in our mind. And we all get it, don't we? Because we all have those moments like Gideon. where We're like, me? Really? Not me, Lord. No, you've got the wrong person. I mean, surely, you know, it's people, it's people like Zoe. Zoe Roseblade. She's organized. She's, she's got, you know, she's done well at university. She probably got 20 GCSE A stars. And, you know, you just look at her and she's awesome. But me? Lord, really? Well, yes. Yes, you. You. You may be the least. That's not the issue. What's the issue? That God is the most. It's not a problem that you're the least. We can be honest with God about that. 
and say, look, Lord, I'm, I'm really... See, actually, it's what God wants. Because if, you're, if you think you've got something, well, what room are you giving the Holy Spirit to move? But God wants people who are emptied of themselves, who have come to the end of threshing and thrashing and striving around in life, thinking you can do something, you, would, you can achieve something. He, he's, he's looking for people who've come to the end of that to say, do you know what, God, you can change in a moment what it would take me a lifetime to achieve. We're going to celebrate God changing somebody's life a bit later on as we baptize Yannicka. It's a miracle that we are here today, a miracle that God loves me, a miracle that God has got a plan for me. And I want to say to you this morning, be anointed. Be anointed in all that you do. Throw yourself upon the Holy Spirit because as you do that, wow, Incredible things are going to happen.